1: Welcome to I'm Josh Smith,
0: And I'm Mike Graham.
1: Mike, we have a lot of stuff to get into this week, as it is, of course, our annual season preview and prediction show. But before we get into all that, you have requested some time off the top here to cowardly backtrack on something you said a week ago. So the floor is yours, my friend.
0: Yes, well, I, uh, you know, I, I said some things I thought were overreactions by the fans and the media last week. And one of them was... The let them know hashtag that's the Cleveland Cavaliers had trademarked. And and every time you put that into Twitter, it popped up with the Cavaliers logo. Um, I was under the impression that on June 2nd, that Cavaliers logo would not be there anymore. So I thought maybe the CFL, you know, did their work, um, knew that it was ending before the season. And, um, you know, I thought that a lot of people overreacted, but The hashtag is still popping up with the Cavaliers logo. So um, I'm going to I'm going to retract my statement. And, you know, I guess people weren't overreacting because it's still there. And, you know, the stupidity on the on the league not to look into this. I know that they had a bunch of firms and a bunch of experts and all this stuff. But what good is that if you can't even figure out a hashtag that's already in use by a professional sports team? you know it's just mind-boggling that this is it just seems like the cfl can't get out of its own way and you know, it's not a huge deal but it's just like it's just so cfl
1: yeah i was gonna say i don't think i think the reactions like there were overreactions to to the whole thing because it's not at the end of the day it's really such a small unimportant thing but it speaks to a larger issue right like it speaks to a larger issue of I hate to say it but incompetence i think might be the word like how do you it's not as if this is some like third division soccer team in iran you know what i mean like this mm-hmm. is a major um, north american team like the Cavs, That that's the team of lebron james like i know he doesn't play there anymore but you know what i mean like it's not like mm-hmm. and these things aren't secret like you can find this stuff and and you see these teams like i always i sometimes wonder why certain teams use certain hashtags to get those like Twitter pictures on them. And some of them are just like I, I don't get it. But I do know that like for one, I think it was the Atlanta Falcons were using like Rise Up. And then another team, might have even been to CFL, tried to use it as at some point and you'd put it in and the Falcons logo would show up. Like I I don't really know what goes into deciding like what hashtags to use and what not to use. But yeah, it, it just comes off as someone didn't do their work and you you said it yourself they talk about all of these like partnering with us with genius sports i think it's called that's supposed to help them with this stuff and the very first thing you launch you bugger up doesn't really speak very highly of that partnership in my opinion
0: no all you had to do was type it into twitter <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's literally all had what to do. i did
1: that's literally yeah. when you texted because you texted me this this morning Say you, oh my God, I think I, think like, blah 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 blah. I can't remember what the text said. I'm not going to bother reading. I'm not going to call you out that, but I already called you a coward, so I won't, <laughs> I, won't, I won't call you out too much. But I literally did the same thing. I just was like, is is he for real? And I I went hashtag and I I think what what's it? Let him know. I think I put let L E T E M and it went to finish it for me with the Cavaliers logo. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me.
0: Yeah, like, next year it's going to be uh, hashtag We the North. <laughs> you know what Like, geez, geez Louise, man. Like, yeah. uh-huh. anyways, it, it's it's. It's, it's a little thing, but it's just it's just silly.
1: Yeah, it's very, very silly. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's get into it, Mike. You and I once again took to Twitter after the Ticats preseason game against the Argos to do another one of our live instant reaction postgame shows. We covered a lot of ground on Friday night, but I figured I would ask you once again, as I'm likely to do every week, if there's anything else you would like to talk about or say about Friday's game, or if you would just like to move on and go straight into the news of the week.
0: Well, I just thought that Mike Hogan's call was excellent. You know what I mean? I thought it was tremendous. (laughs) No, no, no. I have nothing else to say. I'm just so looking forward to games that actually matter. So we can just put the preseason behind us, I think, Josh.
1: Yeah, no more radio broadcasts of uh, of crappy announcers either. It's, it'll be crappy TSN announcers instead. Yay. Uh, okay, so if you want to hear our full thoughts on the Ticats 18-17, to loss to the Argos, you can get that wherever you get this podcast that you're listening to right now. It's up on our feed. I think I put it up there earlier today. So moving right along, we're going to talk about some roster moves as the Ticats made a slew of them over the weekend, Mike, releasing 23 players, adding 12 others – to the team's practice roster, as well as just earlier today on Tuesday, adding another American offensive lineman, Aaron Johnson, to the team's practice squad. So you and I were asked a couple of times over the last few weeks who we saw as some potential big names being released. And we both ended up being kind of correct and not expecting any, because if you look at that list of names, there really aren't any that you would say are recognizable to most fans. The, the team did move defensive back Desmond Lawrence and running back Malik Iron to the practice roster, as well as adding Anthony Federico, who the team drafted with their top pick in the most recent CFL draft to the practice roster as well. But other than those names, the list is mostly made up of guys who were fresh in, in camp this year and have no previous CFL experience. So I don't think we I, I think it's a waste of time, honestly, to go through the entire list. But is there anything or anyone that stood out to you when you saw the list of players that were either let go or added to the practice roster?
0: Well, the projected uh, starting left tackle, Wesley, um, from CFL.ca, got got the cut. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we talked about or you more specifically talked about how that uh, depth chart was inaccurate, Mm -hmm. um, to say the least. And yeah, so the guy doesn't even make the team. I think Michael Witherspoon had an interception in the preseason so he kind of played well but with the you know the DBs that we have on this team it's not really a big surprise you no know, guy like tony brown who kind of came into uh Ty training camp with a little bit of little bit of hype from his past you know he's gone but other you know even those guys aren't big surprises so yeah there's not there's not a lot that really stands out to me but i was happy to see that they were able to keep Desmond Lawrence on the team, because I thought he played really well last year when he was put into the starting lineup. And guys like Emmanuel Butler, obviously, you're high on. And, you know, Jalen Morton went to the the practice roster. I think that's where he belongs. I don't necessarily think he should have got cut, but I don't think he should have been one of the, you know, top three starting or not starting top three quarterbacks on this team. So, yeah, there's not there's not a bunch that uh, leaps out at me. What about you?
1: No, it was the same sort of thing. I, I was I think the biggest surprise to me was Malik Irons for the practice roster because he had been on the active roster for so long. But the team really liked West Hills and West Hills made the team. Anthony Johnson making the team uh, doesn't surprise me. But I guess the American receivers was the biggest thing. Johnson makes the roster. Butler goes to the practice roster, and they released Andrew Boston, and you mentioned Tony Brown. There were just so many good young American receivers in camp, and then with the established veterans already here, it was a really tough roster to crack. So to see two of them stick and unfortunately see two of them go isn't really a surprise. So everything – I mean, we, like I said, we were asked about big – like who's going to be a, a sort of shocking cut, and there wasn't – there. I won't even say there wasn't really wasn't There wasn't any. There wasn't one. There's no player, I don't think any player on the on the roster had more than a year of CFL experience and probably not even a full season, if that. It was mostly guys that were brought in this offseason as camp bodies to potentially make the team that just didn't.
0: It's nice to, you know, have so much talent on the team and um, not have to cut anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been a legit player in this league for for several years. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing to, to have. You know, they must they're gonna there must be like more obviously there's more room on the roster now like I think they expanded the roster a couple of years ago right
1: yeah it's 45 players so that's a good thing to bring up because there's actually 51 players currently on the Thai Cats roster which means that a few of those players will have to be put on one of the injured lists before the game against Saskatchewan on Saturday so from what I saw today Cario Brooks did not practice so and I believe I I think, yeah, yeah, I did. I watched the Orlando Steinhauer presser and he said that Brooks won't go this week. So he's a candidate for the one or the six game list. I'm sure there are other players who are injured in quotes that will find their way onto one of those lists. So yeah, there is still some roster moves for the team to make, but basically if you look at what you see on the Ticats right now, that's going to be the roster that heads to Saskatchewan. The releases themselves weren't headline worthy in their own right, but I think seeing who stuck around does give us a better idea of what the team will look like this season. I mentioned Anthony Johnson. I think he's a good example. He made the team, and that tells me the Ticats plan to start four American receivers at least to start the season with all those Canadians on the injured list, right? So for you, looking at the roster, are there any questions that you had entering training camp or developed during training camp in the preseason that you now feel have been sufficiently answered, like you want to talk about the left tackle or kicker or something like that?
0: Yeah, the left tackle um, obviously was a a question going into uh, training camp. But we knew that the favorite would probably be Vornkall for that position, even though they brought in some big American guys that could have pushed for that spot. You know, I think that Vaughn Call will be the starting left tackle when we go to Saskatchewan and play them this week. And, uh, you know, the kickers, Tom McGowan is going to be the kicker again, I guess, right? So yep. uh, that's going to be, I mean, he performed well in the preseason and in practice. So hopefully going into the season, he's um, he has a better year than he did last year because, that could be a weakness, because we, have, we haven't fixed it, right? We have the kicker and punter have not been fixed as we know it right now. It hasn't been proved to be fixed yet, so it's going to be a question mark going into the season.
1: What I find interesting about the kicker and the punter situation, and I really do hope this is one of the last times we have to spend significant time talking about kickers, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. we've spent yeah. a lot of airtime talking about them over the last six or seven weeks, Domegala is the only kicker on the roster. They they released uh, Ty Leader. They released who was it, Seth Small. So both those guys are gone. Neither one of them were put on the practice roster. When it comes to punter, Joel Whitford made the team, but they put Blake Hayes in the practice roster. So what this tells me is the team has full confidence in Domegala to do the kicking and the kickoffs, but maybe are a little less confident, and maybe there's a shorter leash on Whitford because Hayes is still around. Do you kind of get the same feeling?
0: yeah, that would make sense. Uh, keeping another punter around and uh, you know, just leaving Damagala on his own, right? So it's a it's a bit of a bit risky. Uh, uh, you know, I think that injuries happen and all that kind of stuff. I suppose they could assign a kicker quickly. But uh, you know, if something happens during the game, we're gonna we're gonna be in trouble
1: for sure. for sure. Lastly, I wanted to ask you about these players if there were any that you were surprised made the team. There weren't a lot of spots for rookies to crack the lineup, obviously, but a few did. We mentioned Anthony Johnson, Lawrence Woods, who performed really well with the return in the second preseason game is obviously the guy that made the team as well. Do any of them stand out to you as sort of potential breakout players this year, a la, say, Tim White was a year ago?
0: I'd have to say Woods, just because I I was so impressed with his returning skills in the preseason. Fast as hell. I I think he could be the next great returner for the tie cats. And we've had some great ones in the past 10, 15 years. I think he's going to be the next one.
1: So what do you think then? Wh- where would that leave poppy white in your equation then? Cause I think that he's probably going to be the returner to start the season. Do you think he moves yeah. into a more into the offense more? Like what, what's your, I can see
0: that. I can see that yeah. he played in the offense um, a little bit last mm-hmm. season. Uh, so, you know, he could be sliding in there or maybe woods is, you know, he kind of takes a, a backseat this year. And uh, he's the future guy for the return game because you're right. Poppy White um, made some big plays for us last year. So he's probably going to be the guy that uh, gets most of the returns.
1: Yeah, my vote's for Anthony Johnson. I've been high on him since the first day I saw him at camp. So I'm expecting as long as the Ticats are going to go with four American receivers – I expect him to be someone who will, will could, could surprise. We see rookie receivers come up here. We saw Jalen Acklin a few years ago. Both Dunbar and Stephen Dunbar and, and Tim White last year performed pretty well. White finished top six or seven in the league in receiving yards. So I, you can see rookie receivers come into the CFL and make an impact. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Anthony Johnson was one of those guys that came in and, you know, maybe didn't lead the league in receiving or anything like that, but had a pretty solid like 800-yard – six-touchdown campaign for as long as, of course, the Ticats decide they're going to play. Like, once Durant and uh, Turnhouse are healthy, uh, that could change sort of what they decide. You know what I mean? Like, once once those guys are back, do the Ticats go back to their plan of starting two Canadian receivers? Or Because right. here's the thing, too. Injuries suck, but they do provide opportunities for players. So if Johnson goes out there and after four weeks has – 20 catches for 340 yards and three touchdowns the team's gonna have to go well I don't really know if we're going to to right. make this like we you wouldn't mess with especially if the team's winning too you don't kind of mess with that formula so I mean I'm not going to say that Lamar Durant's been Wally pipped but it's entirely possible that he could be right
0: yeah that's a definite possibility I mean you don't mess with Something if it's working, right? So if Anthony Johnson goes in there and balls out, um they might might have to, you know, adjust their their ratio thinking.
1: For sure. All right, that's all the TICATS news. And let's be honest, no one tuned into this week's episode to hear us talk about kickers and punters and left tackles. They want us to talk about the thing we do every year at this time of year, our annual tradition of making complete fools of ourselves by predicting the upcoming Canadian Football League season. We are going to start by projecting our season standings, then move on to playoff predictions. Then we'll hand out some preseason awards, and Mike and I have a few bold predictions. Mike has way more than I do, so I'm really curious. And the thing is, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa! They're giving out
1: preseason awards. Yeah, like the yeah, our, our like picks for most outstanding player and everything.
0: Oh right, I get you. I get you. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, he's not gonna give an awards for the preseason. Yeah. Oh come yeah. on. No, no, no. That's not be silly. That's not be silly. Chad Kelly
0: MOP based on that. Don't be uh, stupid, no, Mike. Come on.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on.
0: Let's get
1: <laughs> Before we start that, however, I do. I, I have to ask. Does this not feel to you like a pretty unpredictable year in the CFL? Like I, I know everyone understandably sees Winnipeg as sort of the front runner. But the East Division got a big boost with Ottawa now having a competent general manager who has put together a legitimate CFL roster versus what they've had the last couple of years. And I think this might be the first year in a long while where you can say that the best teams reside in the East. If you look at sort of however you want to rank them, the top six teams right now, I think you can make a pretty compelling argument that four of them come from the East Division. There are question marks in B.C. and Edmonton at quarterback. And I'm not entirely sold that Bo Levi Mitchell will get back to his pre-injury form. So you kind of add all that up, and I see the East being the stronger of the two divisions this year. What do you say?
0: Uh, I'd love to jump on that with you, but, you know, it it just seems that every year the East improves. And every year they don't improve. You know what I mean? Like, in the offseason, it seems like they sign guys, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe this is the East. You know, it's going to be strong and powerful this year over the West, but it just never happens. So. I don't care who they signed in the off season. It just the way the CFL goes. The West will be better again.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> just, I mean, like, hey,
0: okay, I, I, I I just remember like thinking that every year it's like, oh, you know, Toronto signed these guys, and you know Hamilton said, and then the top team is like ten and eight. So yeah. I'm just not, I'm not jumping anymore. Not okay. jumping.
1: All right. So so you're taking the East is stronger as is, is the new. We're not talking about expansion until it happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not much. saying there's going to be a crossover, and I do think there's going to be a team in the East that, I mean, when we get to our standings, I'm going to tell you the team in the East that I think is going to disappoint this year. But I think you you look at the quarterbacking situation around the league and you look at the four quarterbacks that are starting in the East, Evans, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Vernon Adams, Jeremiah Mazzoli. Then you look at the West and you go, okay, Caleros, he's rating of MOP, so there's there's no questions there, right? But mm-hmm. guy, when you go for he's good, but he's okay. are we really sold on him? Bo's been hurt the last two years, so we have no idea if mm-hmm. he's ever going to get back to that. And then the Lions are starting a, a raw – I mean, he's not a rookie. He's a second-year player, but it's his first year starting. And we don't even know who's going to start in Edmonton. If it's Nick Arbuckle, if this is the, what, fifth, fourth or fifth team he's been on in the last – he was with Calgary, then he went to Ottawa never played for him, then he went to Toronto, then they traded him to Edmonton. Like, he's, he's bounced around a lot, so – is that someone that you're really sort of holding up as the savior of the franchise? And that, and that's where that's sort of where my idea that the East is stronger comes in, or or could be stronger, is simply in the fact that the quarterbacking I think in the East is much more stable and established than the quarterbacking in the West.
0: All logical points, all logical thinking. <laughs> it makes sense. It really We're does. It. But it just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The East sucks. It'll, it it just will. It's a it's the it's a Western league. Teams are always better in the West, and that's how it's going to be this this year.
1: All right, all right. So one more thing I do want to talk about, though, because there's something about the, – and the reason why I bring up that this could be a, kind of an unpredictable year is that I think that two things are present in the league this year, and there are two things that I really, really love when we, have, when we talk about sports. One is that you have a giant to slay. And if your league has a back-to-back champion, then they have a very easy-to-root-against villain. And the CFL has that in Winnipeg right now. Like, whether you like the Bombers or not, I hate to say it. Actually, I don't hate to say it, but if you're a Bombers fan, you might not like to hear it. They're the bad guys. You're the two, you're the, you're the, they were the juggernaut. Like, they were the best team from start to finish last year. Like, they're the team that everyone's chasing. They're, they've won back to back championship. They're going for the first three three-peat since Edmonton did it in the early 80s. So, you're the villain. And I think having kind of a juggernaut that teams need to stop, I think makes things more interesting, at least for me. What about you? Do you like the idea that there's this sort of like big bad hovering over the league that teams can kind of point to and say, like, we have to take them down?
0: Yeah, I I like that as well. You know, I think that juggernauts helped the league Um, when Montreal was really good for all those years. I think that helped the league. But but it's also like there's parity as well. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, there's a clear favorite, but they're not, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of the, the second or the third best. Um, so I do, I do like that back-to-back champs. Um, everyone's going to be gunning for them. They're they're you know, they earned the right to be considered the best team in the league. And um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. I really do. It's
1: funny you bring up the parody point. Cause that's kind of my second point. And I feel like this might contradict the first, because I do think that when like, people talk a lot about parody, but I do think that if, if the league was full of, if there were three 10 and eight teams, three nine and nine teams, and three eight and 10 teams, I don't think that would be very compelling. I think that would be honestly kind of boring, at least for me. But I love chaos in sports. And you usually only get that when there are a bunch of teams kind of bundled together. So you have Winnipeg kind of at the top. And then you have this group of teams with Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. Can you tell me which one of those is demonstrably better than the other? Like, that that's a... If any of those teams were the team that knocked off the Bombers, it wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if the Bombers just ran roughshod over all of them either. Like, you and I are obviously partial to the Ticats, but maybe someone out there thinks Calgary is the team because of their recent track record, or Ottawa because of their revamped roster, or any of the other teams for, like, a variety of reasons. And, like, my whole point is that there are kind of, like, a lot of contenders that could end up being Mm -hmm. the proverbial throne smasher. And I think that makes for this season being potentially one of the more interesting ones in recent memory.
0: Especially if, you know, if, if, if the Bombers are in the, the Grey Cup again, you know, you have the, the big bad Bombers going up against, the, you know, the underdog. So that's that's an, you can cheer for the underdog no matter what team you, you actually cheer for in the CFL. So not saying that Winnipeg is going to be in the Grey Cup, but, uh, you know, I, I get where you're coming from.
1: All right. Enough foreplay, Mike. Let's get into these predictions, shall we? Let's yes. start with our standings predictions. Do you want to start in the east or start in the west? Uh, let's, let's start in the west. All right, let's start in the West. Okay, Mike, give us your your order of finish in the Western Division.
0: All right, so I'll I'll go from last place to first. Edmonton and last. I just think they were such a bad team last year that it's going to take two or three years to really turn them around. I think they will be better. Um, I think they'll be more organized with with Jones at the helm, head coach and GM. But I still don't see them being good. I think they're going to be in last. Then I have Calgary. You know, a lot of people have been talking about how much talent they've lost along the offensive line, and I think that's a big problem. I think that Bo Levi Mitchell is, isn't is right. I think that he, he's shouldered, like, I have no evidence of this. This is just a gut feeling, but I, I, I don't think he's the same guy that he used to be, and uh, the Stampeders are going to suffer because of that. I think that they've become a little bit too arrogant with, oh, it doesn't matter we don't need to sign anyone. We'll just do what we always do, and we'll be at, in first no matter what. So I have them finishing fourth. Uh, BC at three. Uh, I think they've done a lot of good things in the offseason. And, yes, um, Nathan Rourke is, is a big question mark. Um, and then you have Michael O'Connor behind him. So two two guys that, you know, American or Canadian, you'd have question marks about going into the season because they just don't have that experience. But... I think that, you know, they have the weapons around them in the offense that can, you know, kind of hide their deficiencies. And I think the offense is going to be cooking this year for the BC Lions. So I have them in third. Saskatchewan second. Uh, I just think that, you know, they've been, you know, on the edge of greatness, you know, first place for a couple years now in the West. I'm not huge on Cody Vajardo, but I think he's good enough to um, lead them to a winning record. So I have them in second and then obviously Winnipeg in first just because um, I haven't seen any. I, I don't see them falling off. I know that they lost in pieces like Kenny Lawler um, and some other, well, Andrew Harris. But I think they'll be better off without him just because it was advanced age. Um, the defense is still killer. So I think they're still going to be the class of the West. So um, what? just to recap, I have Edmonton, Calgary, BC, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg.
1: But basically, Winnipeg has taken this mantle that Calgary had for all those years where until proven otherwise, they're the best. They're the top team, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, we I think we both had them not because, again, and I think in fairness to a lot of people who maybe didn't pick the Bombers last year to be as good as they were, they weren't that great in 2019. They just got hot. Mm -hmm. late. They brought Caleros in. They won, like, I think their last three of the regular season and then ran roughshod over the playoffs and obviously won the Grey Cup. But they weren't. That was a third place team that went on the road in Calgary, went on the road in Regina to get to the gray cup. So I think people weren't expecting, I think they expected the bombers to be, I think you had maybe had them missing the playoffs. I think I might, I can't, yeah. remember. I can't remember what yeah. it was, but I, I, I just know that we weren't as high on Winnipeg as maybe we should be, but now the evidence is there, right? Like the bombers last year from week one until the end of the season were the best team. I don't think there's any disputing that Winnipeg was the top team in the league last year. So They kind of get the first place slot kind of by default until proven otherwise. So, my rankings differs a little bit. Now, I am a gigantic loser, and I actually printed out a copy of the 2022 schedule. And who's going to win each game? Pardon me. So, I have records beside mine. I didn't expect you to do that. So, don't feel bad that I have. But I got – we're going to start in fifth. I got the Lions in fifth at 5-13. and I'm so I'm really surprised you have B.C. as high as you do, because this to me is the Rick Campbell effect. I just don't buy that. He's a good coach.
0: Fair enough. Fair and enough. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. if
1: you look at the teams that I think are, are not necessarily like the cream of the crop in the West, like I have Edmonton next at six and 12. And then I have Calgary in third at nine and nine. The coaching staffs are just better. like the coach. The head coach is just better. Like say what you want about Chris Jones. He's a damn good coach. Say what you want about Dave Dickinson, he's a damn good coach. So they're a great cup-winning coaches. I know Campbell is as well, but we've never like I I just I'm not gonna buy into the Lions until I actually see them play. And I think they'll take an even further step back than they were last year. With Edmonton, like you, I think they'll be improved going into this season. But I think they're a year away. I, I look at Edmonton like I looked at that Saskatchewan team that Jones took over, where he didn't necessarily gut the roster. But he made a lot of changes in that first year, 2016, they were awful. And then 2017, they get to the East Final, and then you know, Jones buggers off. Oh no, he was there in 2018. And I think they got to they get to the West Final in 2018.
0: No, no. Um, they
1: made the they made the playoffs though.
0: Yeah, I think they improved every year under They did. Under their Jones. record
1: got better, they did yeah. their record got better every single year Jones was there, and then Jones left to go coach mm. in a million other places. Then I got the stamps at nine and nine, and this all comes down to Bo's health. I don't think he's like I, I the T S like tonight after we record T S N is going to do their top fifty players. They might have even released it already. I saw a tweet with the video, but I didn't watch it. Bo's not a top ten player anymore. I don't know if Bo's a top twenty five player anymore. No. Like if if what we've seen of him the last few years, I'm not even sure if he's the best quarterback on Calgary's roster right now. Yeah. So, but because that coaching staff is good. Because Bo is still somewhat passable as a quarterback right now, and because I think Jake Mayer might be the next legitimate starting quarterback in the CFL, so even if they do decide to bench or Bo gets hurt or whatever, I think this the Stamps can still hover around 500. But I don't, I don't think Calgary's the Calgary that we've come used to seeing over the past you know almost two decades. I got the Riders at 11 and seven in second place, and I got the Bombers at 13 and five in first place. Kind of the I don't really have anything to add to what you said there, Mike. Like, I think that those are the top two in the West by a sort of almost a significant margin. But at the end of the day, it's it, this is the Bombers. And until someone knocks them off their perch, I'm not ready to, to pick against them, at least winning the division. We'll talk about where, where I see the playoffs heading in a moment, but that's where I got it. So much like you to recap, Winnipeg first, Saskatchewan second, Calgary third, Edmonton fourth, and BC fifth. So why don't we move on to the East Division, Mike, where our Hamilton Tiger Cats reside? So you want to go four to one again?
0: Yeah. All right. Um, okay. All right. Fourth, fourth place. I have the Montreal Alouettes. I'm just not a believer in Vernon Adams. Uh, I didn't like what I saw from him last year. I just don't think he's a starting quarterback in this league. And you know they go to Trevor Harris. He's okay. To me, they have two average quarterbacks, and that's never a good thing. I just I don't see them having a successful season, uh, and I know that you know they've seemed like they've been the up and coming team in the East for a couple of years now, but I see them falling off. So in third, I have Ottawa uh, with you know Jeremiah Mazzoli and all those new toys that they've signed in the off season. I think that's going to improve them tremendously. And you know, we we've mentioned this a lot, lots of times before, but sometimes when you sign all these players in free agency, it doesn't work out. But I think they'll you know they have to be. You know, Improved over last year. That was just pathetic. Um, now, in second place, I have our beloved Tiger cats. I think we're gonna be good, but I'm not sure if we're gonna be the best, you know what I mean? It's just the offensive line still worries me a bit. Um, the defense is obviously tremendous, but we lost some some weapons like Speedy B and Jalen Ackland. I just don't see them being as good. And they weren't very good last year. Let's be honest. They got to the Grey Cup game, but that team wasn't very good all season long. I don't see them as good as the 2019 version of the Tiger Cats. I think we might be in a little bit of a rebuild with the Tiger Cats. Like, I think we'll be a good team, but I, I just, I think the championship um, window has closed a little bit on this team. You know, we had like a 10-year span where we've been to the Grey Cup four times, and I, I, I just, I think we're gonna take a step back this year, unfortunately. And then. It kills me to say this, but I have the Argonauts at number one. I just think overall, especially on offense, I think they have a ton of talent. Um, their wide receivers are are really really good. I think their offensive line is is pretty good. Um, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Now that's that's the you know that big question mark. Is he going to take the next step? Because he was okay last year and then the previous years, but um, he hasn't shown me that he can be a legit. Uh, starting quarterback in this league, and I think we might see it this year. So, unfortunately, I have the Argonauts finishing first in the CFL East. So, to re- recap, I have Montreal fourth, Ottawa third, Hamilton second, Toronto first.
1: Okay, so I won't comment on yours. I'll give you mine, and then we can have, because you and I are going to debate the Argos, because I couldn't agree with you less on what you said about Toronto. So, I, like you, though, have Montreal six and 12, fourth place in the East. I just think that like you, I don't know. I, I was a big Vernon Adams guy, and I thought he would light this league on fire, and he's just never taken that next step. And you and the listeners know exactly how I feel about Trevor Harris. So if Harris is in there, I think the Alouettes are cooked. Third place, I got the Argos at 9-9. Nine and nine. I am not a believer in McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and I know that they brought a lot of guys in, but you know what else they brought a lot in too? Geritol. They brought a lot of old guys in. Is Brandon Banks anywhere near the guy he was two or three years ago? I'm not sure. He didn't look like it last year. Andrew Harris did not look like the runner he was. It's great to have veterans in the on the team, but teams like to get rid of guys one year too soon instead of one year too late. And I think both the Bombers and the Ticats got rid of those guys one year too late, if I'm being honest. Now, neither team was ever going to get rid of those guys going into 2021 simply because of what they did in 2019. Banks was the MOP, and Harris won most valuable Canadian and most valuable player in the Grey Cup. Those guys were staying there, but they fell off a cliff last year, and I know the Argos and their fans are super excited to, you know, the, stick it to the Bombers and the Ticats by p- picking up their scraps, but I don't know. I'm I'm just not a real big believer in, in what the Argos could do this year. I also have my questions around their, their coaching staff. You mentioned the Ticats weren't very good last year. The Argos finished first one game ahead of Hamilton, so if Hamilton wasn't very good, the Argos won, and one of those wins was a one-point win when the bloody tie kicker who they kept this year miss an extra point so i i just i just don't believe in the argos at all second place i got ottawa at 10 and 8 i think they're going to start the season a little slow but i think once they sort of gel as a unit i think they're going to be a very good football team they obviously upgraded a quarterback they added a ton of new players and yes i am with you on that sometimes doesn't I mean, how many times have we see seen it with the Ticats where it's like, look at all these splashy signings we saw. Oh, 5-13 season. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it, it does happen. But I think that coaching staff, I think I think Paul Apleis is a good coach. I think having a guy like Mazzoli run that offense, I think Ottawa is going to be the team that takes the biggest leap this year. And then in first place at 12-6, and six, I have the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I just think that all around, this is the best roster in the East Division. I think that they have the best quarterback. I think they have the best coach by far in Orlando Steinhauer. And I just think the roster itself, that defense, I think is better than the other defenses. Like, I, I, Yes, there's still question marks. And that's why I didn't predict them to go 18-0. and 0, But I just think that Hamilton is tops. So to recap, like you did, Hamilton first, Ottawa second, Toronto third, Montreal fourth. Very rare that you and I are, are in disagreement on some of these so drastically. But I'm not going to ask you to defend your, your Toronto pick, but – you clearly, I don't, I don't agree with you on, on the Argos being the top team in the East. I just, I, I just, I just don't see it. I, I think that they take a step back. I think they were kind of a fluke last year.
0: That's fair. I'm just, I, you know, i just evaluating some of their talent in the receiving core. I think that um, their offensive line might be better than ours. Um, yes, Andrew Harris is getting up there in age, but if he can contribute, you know, he's not going to be the guy that he was. But I think that in the in the red zone, he'll help out a lot running the the ball. He's a big dude. But they, did, um, they I didn't
1: d- pay him to just to contribute. Like, he's the highest – Yeah, runner.
0: he's the main he guy, guy, and they they, they let go runner. of some really good running backs too So yeah, to bring him gets, in.
1: Like, if he, gets, yeah, if, he yeah. blows up the ratio, like, that's where I'm looking at those, those – especially the – I think the Harris one more than Banks. Because Banks doesn't perform. He's an American, not making much. They can cut him and move on, right? Like, they have enough American receivers that they can get by with or without Banks. It's the Harris one where it's like they're putting him in a position to be the guy, and he didn't hold up as the guy – In Winnipeg last year in a shorter season, I'm not sure he's gonna hold up for eighteen games. And if and if you lose that, like you're relying on a Canadian, because I think most of their backup running backs are also Canadian, you're relying on a Canadian. You could be starting a rookie if Harris goes down, or if he gets hurt in a game, you're swapping around your ratio. I don't know. It it I think that could be where the Argos get into trouble. And I am a complete non-believer in McLeod Bethel Thompson. I think he might be Like, a lot of people seem to like him. I don't – I haven't really seen much. He's never really been – like, there's a reason why a guy who's been with – like, he's been with the Argos for, what, like, five or six years now? There's a reason why a guy – they keep bringing in quarterbacks to compete with him. First, it was James Franklin. Then it was Nick Arbuckle. Like, and they're really high on Chad Kelly. Now, I don't think Chad Kelly's going to take his job, but there's a reason why they haven't fully committed to him, and that tells me a lot about how the, the franchise actually views him.
0: That's that's fair enough. You know, he I'm not a huge believer in him either, but I I think that the okay the offense I think they have better receivers. Uh, I think their offensive line is comparable. Um, obviously, the quarterback not even a question. Hamilton's better. Uh, running back not a question. Hamilton's better. Uh, but defensive line, I think the Argos have they're they're better than the Ticats along the defensive line. Um, you know, losing a guy like Jigared Davis, I think you know helps Toronto a lot. I think their linebackers are comparable to ours. They got a lot of talent there. Um and then the DBs are, are pretty good too. I don't think they're better than Hamilton's, but I think that they're they're pretty darn good. So I'm with you with McLeod Bethel Thompson's. I, I still have question marks about him, but I think that, uh the unfortunately. I think that the Argonauts have a really good team and they're going to they're going to take that first spot. I hate saying it, but uh, that's that's how I feel.
1: Well, here's the beauty of it. We will find out as the season progresses yes. which one of us is right and which one of us is wrong. That is the fun part of doing this. Uh, so let's move on to the playoffs. How about that? Let's go division by division. I think we should do that. So why don't we start in the West? Give your complete West bracket, West semifinal and your West final, and then obviously that, that West team that you think is going to make it to the Great Cup. I feel like we should start with the West and then in East the because I think people want to know where, yep. we, where we have the tie cats ending up. That's sort of the, the – this is the appetizer to the main course, right? So what, do you, what is your West semifinal?
0: My West semi-final is Saskatchewan versus BC. Um, Now, that game will be in Saskatchewan, and Saskatchewan will advance to the West Final to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, The Bombers win the West Final to advance to the Grey Cup.
1: You got Winnipeg going to the Grey Cup again. Snuffing out the Riders' chances of, of getting that home Grey Cup game. Okay, so in the West semifinal, I have Calgary playing or Calgary going to Saskatchewan to play the Rough Riders. I've got the Riders winning that one. Now, here is where I'm going to give two Grey Cup picks. One is a Grey Cup pick with my heart, but one is a Grey Cup pick with my head, and that is my official Grey Cup pick, okay? So I'm okay. going to give two. So my heart tells me that Winnipeg beat Saskatchewan in the West Final. My head, however, says the Saskatchewan Rough Riders finally get the job done the third straight west final between these two teams the riders go into ig field knock off the bombers to get that home gray cup so that's how i have the west playing out the riders not the bombers make the gray cup let's go to the east mike what do you got in the east
0: all right the east semi i have toronto versus ottawa i have the argonauts winning that game You
1: you had the argos finishing first
0: Oh, crap. I changed my pick like halfway through. I wrote this down. <laughs> hey, <come laughs> oh, crap. I forgot to change it back. Okay. So, here we go. I'll, I'll come to the exact the same conclusion. So, I have Hamilton versus Ottawa in the semifinal. Hamilton wins. Goes to Toronto. Toronto wins. And we have a Toronto-Winnipeg-Grey Cup. Toronto-Winnipeg-Grey Cup. Oh, God. I... Which would be terrible. I would know. You know, I'd watch it, but, you know, it would not I, be I... fun.
1: Well, because here's the thing. We talked about slaying a giant. I'm rooting for the giant.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: so, okay, so here's mine. I have Toronto heading to Ottawa for the East Semi. I got the Red Blacks winning that one, which leads us to an Ottawa-Hamilton uh, Eastern Final. Obviously, my heart is saying the Ticats. My head, however, is saying the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think it's going to be Ottawa and Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup this year. I think – the the thing that – what is the one thing you hear about Ticats fans when they let a player go? Oh, he's going to come back and kill us. Mm-hmm. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to have in that East final – I think the, I think it's going to be a very exciting game, very close game. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to have that chip on his shoulder that you chose this guy over me. He's going to have one of the best games of his professional career. So your official pick for the Great Cup is Toronto against Winnipeg. My official pick for the Great Cup is Ottawa versus Saskatchewan. Who do you have taken home the trophy at the end of the year?
0: To start the dynasty, three Grey Cups oh, in a row, wow. the Blue Bombers. The, the, wow. You know, we haven't had a dynasty in the CFL for a long time. The closest we had was back-to-back. I think that was Montreal. Yeah, well,
1: 9 that and was, 10.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, um, better than Toronto winning, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'm not too fond of the Blue Bombers either. So, unfortunately, I have them winning the Grey Cup.
1: It's the Riders playing a home Grey Cup. The Riders are going to win the Grey Cup. I, I, I probably hate saying that more than you hate saying Winnipeg. But if the Riders make the Grey Cup in Regina, there's no chance that they don't win it. So, uh, but if, if my heart Grey Cup happens, which is Hamilton and Winnipeg, I'm obviously picking the Ticats to win the championship. But my official pick is Saskatchewan. So there you go. Let's move on to the yearly awards, Mike. Why don't we start with, do you want to do coach of the year or do you want to just skip coach?
0: Uh, you got you got a coach of the year?
1: I do. I think it's Paul LaPolice because I think Ottawa's okay. gonna I think Ottawa's gonna be so much improved that he's gonna win the award.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Mike O'Shea. I know that he's been uh, you know winning the that yeah. Did he win it last year? Or was mm. that Dinwiddie? Dinwiddie won it probably.
1: No, I think it was O'Shea. You know what? I'm gonna look it up just to make sure so we don't look like idiots. I mean we already look right. like idiots, but
0: right, uh, yeah, that's a given. But yeah, but I'll, think, I'll go I with think O'Shea. I will go with
1: O'Shea. You're going to yeah. go O'Shea? Um, okay. Yeah,
0: just, cool. he won the Grey Cup, so... Trying to find... Or he's going to win the Grey Cup. Well,
1: you you think he's going to win the Grey Cup. <laughs> yeah. Coach of the year, yeah.
0: O'Shea won Coach of the
1: Year. Okay. They were so much better than everyone else, so
0: that makes yeah, sense. Makes All sense. right,
1: special teams player of the year, who you got?
0: I got my buddy, Brett Lother, or Luther. or however you say oh, his really? name. Really? Best kicker in the league by far. Yeah, but on a serious note, yeah, I do have uh, Brett. You know, I think that he will probably hit... A good portion of his field goals, and that will be enough.
1: That's not a bad pick. I got Mario Alford, the return man for the Alouettes. I think he was, might have been – no, I think I picked Chris Rainey last year. Uh, yeah. He was on it, but Alford, if I recall, was on his way to potentially winning that award. I think he had like two, may, maybe three return touchdowns, like the first like three or four weeks or something like that. Like He was looking really good as a return man. I think he comes back healthy this year. I think he wins it this year. Most outstanding lineman, who you got?
0: I got our boy Revenberg. You know oh, he's been he's okay. been uh, knocking at the door to, to win an award along the offensive line, and I think this is the year that he gets it.
1: I'm going Stanley Bryant. I know it's kind of a chalk pick, but no one really knows how to Like the people who vote on these awards only know names. So he's mm-hmm. won it yes, three sorry. of the last four years. Been nominated I think the last four years. I'm I'm just gonna go with him. This is this is an interesting one. This was kind of a tough one for me. Who do you got for most outstanding Canadian?
0: I got Dembski with the Bombers. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he uh, they, they lost Kenny Lawler this year. They're supposed to bring in Jalen Saunders, but he's not with the team anymore. So I think that's going to you know create an opening for him to rack up some yards and uh, get that award.
1: I'm going to go with a receiver as well. I'm going with Kean Schaefer-Baker out of Saskatchewan. I think with sort of a different look to that receiving core this year, I I know Duke Williams is there. I know Shaq Evans is still there, but I think those guys are going to get a lot of attention from DBs, which will allow KSB to kind of work his magic elsewhere. I think he's going to end up putting up some really good numbers, maybe the best receiving numbers we've seen from McCannian since Brad Sinopoli. So he's the guy that has it for me. Most outstanding defensive player. Who you got taking home in this award?
0: Finally, Simone (laughs) wins the award. And I know I have a couple homer picks here, actually. Three actually. But yeah, I think that it it's just overdue. I think he's been, if not the best defensive player in the league, close to it for the last, you know, five or so years. So this is the finally the year that Lawrence breaks through and gets that award.
1: I got I got him winning too. I think he should have won last year. I think he could have won. If he wasn't suspended the year, the 2019 season, I think he would have won it that year. But I think a lot of voters held that suspension against him, and that's why Willie Jefferson won. And I genuinely believe not nothing against Adam Big Hill, but I genuinely believe that Simone Lawrence should have won it last year. But I mean, the bombers were so good that I think every one of their players, I think I think like five of the awards went to Winnipeg guys. so that doesn't really surprise me that that Big Hill would have beat Simone there. But I too have him winning this one. Win. All right, the big one, the last one, most outstanding player. You said you have three Homer picks. I'm only seeing three <laughs> Ticats here, so that tells me you got a tie cat winning moP. who Who is it?
0: Dane? Wow. Great Dane Evans, and I know that's kind of weird me having him as MOP and the team finishing second in the East, but I think he's going to play in tremendous despite pressure from you know the opposing teams because I think the offensive line is going to. I think players are going to get injured along the offensive line, and I don't have faith that we have enough depth to protect Dane. But I think he's going to get out of trouble, and I think he's going to put up tremendous numbers and win the MOP this year.
1: I also have a second place quarterback winning most outstanding player. And it's the same player I picked to win most outstanding player a year ago. That's Jeremiah Mazzoli. I think he's going to take, if my, if my prediction holds true, he's going to take, he's going to increase Ottawa's win count by seven. And I know I'm a major proponent of this quarterback wins are not a stat, but if Ottawa improves, like I think they will, it's mostly on the right arm of Jeremiah Mazzoli. And if they, and I know these things are voted on at the end of the regular season, But this will look like if if, like I think Ottawa gets the Grey Cup, this will look like a absolutely tremendous MOP pick. So I think after all those years in Hamilton coming close to winning it, 2018 being the finalist, even though I knew he wasn't going to win it and picking him last year. And obviously that didn't happen. I think he finally breaks through, kind of cements his status, gets gets that outside of the championship. That one thing that sort of eluded him, that sort of. I don't know uh, what's the best way to put it, like. He's he's always dealt with doubters, right? So right. this would be one of those things where it's like that monkey, even if they don't win the championship, he can hang his hat on. I, at one point in my career, I was the best player in the league, and that will maybe shut a bunch of people up. So let, to recap, I have Mazzoli's MOP, Simone as Defensive Player of the Year, Keen Schaefer-Baker as Most Outstanding Canadian, Stanley Bryant as Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman, Mario Alford as Most Outstanding Special Teams Player, and Paul Apelis as Coach of the Year. Mike, what's your rundown?
0: All right, so I got uh, most outstanding lineman, Revenberg, uh, special teams, Brett Lothar, uh, most outstanding Canadian, Nick Dembski, most outstanding defensive player, Lawrence, and most outstanding player, Dane Evans. And Mike O'Shea is the most outstanding coach. Oh, I, know, I thought, I thought, you, might been I thought no, you might no, have your I thought you might have. I just, I just yeah. forgot because I'm stupid.
1: <laughs> okay, but these are locked <laughs> in now, so. Yep. Yeah pick integrity is really big on our show like we have to like this is what we're going with mm-hmm. obviously we can we can revise later in the year when we have, like if someone gets hurt or or you know what i mean but we're, we're locking in so one last thing to finish up sort of our season preview here we're going to make some bold predictions now mike you came up with a lot you said what like a half dozen yep Okay, i got two so i'm if you don't mind since i even if i stole two of yours that still leaves you with four Mm -hmm. I'll go first. And here are my two. My first one is that Tim White, Hamilton Tiger catch receiver, leads the league in receiving yards. Now, remember, these are bold predictions. These are not necessarily things we think are going to happen. But these are sort of things that it's like if sort of all the confluence of events come together, maybe this is possible. So these are like thinking outside the box type of stuff. It's not like, oh, you know, so-and-so is going to have six touchdown catches. That's not fun. These are are crazy things. So I say Tim White leads the league in receiving yards. And my second one, and I think this one will – Will you know warm your cold heart? Bo Levi Mitchell does not end the season as Calgary's starting quarterback, and not through injury. I think he gets benched for Jake Mayer, and Bo Levi Mitchell is on another team in 2023. And thinking about this, can you like think? Look at the way that Bo's career has gone post Grey Cup in 2018. Is one of the best moves that never happened, the Argos signing him to that massive contract in free agency ahead of the 2019 season. Imagine where the Argos would be now if they had that albatross sitting around their neck. What was it? It was like an 800,000. Mm-hmm. It was like was – it, actually, it was over a million, wasn't it? Like, like wasn't it something along the lines of like four years, like two and a half million they were going to give Bo? Like, it was a ludicrous yeah, amount. It was big. Of- that they were going He was close to-, to
0: a million, like 800000 850 or 800, something like that.
1: Like it was, he was going to be the highest paid player. I mean, Riley ended up getting that, but now he's out of the league, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, so like I, I thought of that when I thought of this. I was like, man, the Argos really dodged a bullet there. And this one, I'm, this one's kind of bold, but also something I think is actually in the ballpark of happening. Because I just don't think Bo's got it anymore. So those are my two. Bo doesn't finish the season as Calgary starter, and not because of injury, he gets benched. And Tim White, Hamilton's Tim White, leads the league in receiving yards. Did I steal any of yours, sir?
0: Kind of. Kind of. I'll go through them all anyways. Okay. Uh, Let's hear yours. All right. So, okay. So, speaking of Bo Levi Mitchell, I believe he will be replaced by Marr or Mayer, whatever however you pronounce his name. And I'm going to go a little bit further, though, and I think that he retires at the end of the season. Oh, okay. I just, I just don't. It's pure speculation, but I, I just don't think his shoulder's going to hold up. I think it's... It's too badly buggered to uh, keep playing football. And I hope that's not the case. He, everybody knows that I'm not a huge fan of Bo, but, you know, I don't want him to be hurt and retire. But uh, that's one of the bold predictions. Vernon Adams, I think he's going to play horrible and be replaced by uh, Trevor Harris. Um, no, Tim, Tim White, I have him as top three in receiving yards. So it's not as bold as yours, but close. So um, I, did,
1: I did feel kind of both of your yes <laughs> yes weird how we and, and to be honest we did not talk about these beforehand nope. like when nope. it comes to some, some of the stuff you and i will will discuss pre-show but this is one of those things where it's like i wanna like you you've heard in the past what was it i think someone asked us our favorite tie cat games that were or no it was uh we got the mailbag question i think it was from sam who asked us to name the games that we would change if we could right. that were breakups and i ended up stealing one of yours we didn't talk about it beforehand. Like this is one of those things where we just kind of like to go off the top of the, like we'll write them down and then we'll we'll surprise each other. Cause then we get kind of our, our actual reaction. So it's kind of funny that you and I were thinking the same thing. I went a little, like our vote our one is almost the exact same. Like, yeah. I, 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 would, I would say it's, it's the same. He gets, he does not finish the season as a starter. And our Tim White one is pretty damn close.
0: Absolutely. And now the, the next one I have is points per game last year was 43.1. I think that average will be over 50 points this season Oh,
1: wow, okay you um, know what
0: you can
1: follow along have you seen uh our buddy yeah. john hodge for three down put yep. up the some i can't remember what it's called so I'm, I'm but if you go to three down there's every week there's going to be like an offensive output report that he's going to mm-hmm. put up so we're going to be able, this is something we can actually track
0: so yeah, which I, is, I hope you're right
1: too because higher points per game doesn't lead to more exciting games i think
0: now maybe this isn't that bold but i think that andrew harris will have under 750 yards rushing this season
1: eh, i mean it's I mean, if he plays 18 games and does, then he was a gigantic waste of money. So, yeah, no, I can – I mean, I can see that as a possibility. I, I, I still think it's bold because if he does play, I think he's being paid. Like, he's someone who's going to rush for 12 to 1300 But,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't have a lot of faith in him. So, uh, I'll say it, it's moderately bold.
0: Now, this one's kind of a – you know, it's something that I do not want to see. But I think that six of the nine starting quarterbacks will be injured by Labor Day. The, uh, Labor Day games – six of the nine of starting quarterbacks will not be playing. Oh, because I just think that the, this league is, you know, it's just, it just happens. Like that's most dark. of the quarterbacks, I know, right? But I just don't think, I think the offensive lines aren't good enough in this league. I think that the defensive lines are much better than the offensive lines. And I think it's going to show again this year.
1: Oh, that's uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's a lot. Six of nine, two thirds of the bold. league. Is a- it's bold. It is. You're right. It is bold. It is bold. I'll give you credit. No, I can't get, you know, if, if it's, I was gonna say, I'd give you credit for four of nine, but no, you, you said six yep, and six. nine. So yep. I, I can only give you credit if you get to And
0: six. that's one that I do not want to happen.
1: I, I don't think but anyone's, I think wins, but I no. mean, that's, that's what these are. These aren't what's going to happen. And it's not necessarily, I don't, I don't want believe I Mitchell to not like, I think he's, he's one of the best I, I like him or not. And I think you and I are kind of on the same page. I think I like him a little bit more than you do. But he's a personality. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He says what he wants. I mean, he was really good if you watch any of the TSN like pre-Grey Cup stuff. He I thought he was really good as like a an analyst with that. Like I th- I thought he did a pretty decent job when he was asked stuff. And he's not afraid like I said to speak his mind, which is always refreshing when it comes to to players. So I like I think he's good for the league, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think that his like you said his shoulder's buggered beyond repair and it's going to cost them sadly I hope not but could potentially cost him his career.
0: Yeah, so those are those are all our bold prediction. That's uh, it's going to be you know it always makes the season even more interesting knowing that we put these out there and um
1: I won't hold uh, us to the bold the bold prediction I don't hold us to. Those yeah. are that's this is us kind of just being not necessarily silly but like out there. These are things that like do I think Tim White's going to lead the league in receiving yards? No. Could he? Why not? Mhm. Uh-huh. It's, it's like because and the reason I say that is, like if you look at the the landscape of receivers, yeah okay Duke Williams is out there. Uh, who was the last year? Kenny Lawler I think led the league in receiving yards. There's not you don't have a Nick Lewis or Jamel Richardson or you know what I mean like those guys that we are in our land, Bruce, where you're like oh that's by far the you know the best or the one of the top three. Like there's some really good receivers but it's a really clustered group of like eight to 10 guys who any one of them could break through and lead the league in receiving yards. So that's kind of where I came, came from with that one too.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, we had those guys recently, like you could point to Brandon Banks or mm-hmm. uh, Burnham, but mm-hmm. I think that they're reaching that age where, you Their know, time's it's, done. Uh, yeah. And the new, new receivers are going to emerge and, and take the mantle.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on to our final topic this week, Mike, and that is Saturday evenings, Ticats season opener, against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Mosaic Stadium in beautiful Regina, Saskatchewan. Whether it is the new stadium or the old one, Regina has not been kind to the Ticats over the years, Mike. Hamilton has won just twice in the capital of the Prairie Province in their last 10 regular season visits and have not won in Regina in seven years. Their losses have been ugly ones, too. They got, just last season, trounced 30-8, to They lost a game 37 to nothing in 2013 and have lost by a combined score of uh, 271 to 157 in their last 10 regular season games at combined the two Mosaic stadiums. If you take out the two Ticats wins in that span, they've been outscored 216 to 91. And I keep saying regular season because we can never forget that we have to add in the 2013 Grey Cup where they got the brakes beaten off them 45 to 23, and you look at Mosaic, and you and I always discuss the the doom and gloom that is McMahon, but now you look at Mosaic with the with this sort of backdrop here, and it's almost as torturous to the Ticats as McMahon Stadium. So now that we know the history, what do you, might think that the Ticats have to do on Saturday to reverse this trend and get off to a 1-0 start for just, and this is for real, for just the fifth time since we stopped putting 19s at the beginning of the year, they started 1-0 in 2 4 2016, and 2019, and that is it. So what do they got to do? What, what do the Tigers have to do to start the season
0: 1-0? The, the defense is not a concern of mine. I think they're going to ball out. I think they'll do a fine job in the first game of the season. Um, you know, it's not surprising to anyone, but the offensive line, if the offensive line holds up and gives Dane time, I think we have a legit shot to win this game. But if there's pressure all game long like there was in the first game of the season last year, um, we're going to be in some, some big trouble. So the key to me is just protecting Dane, giving him time, opening holes for, for Don Jackson to do his thing and, and giving time for the receivers, which are a lot of them are pretty young guys, giving them time to get open. So it all comes down to the offensive line for me.
1: For me, it's getting off to a fast start. And this might be something that I make a focal point all season. The tie Cats can't get into these like 13 nothing 17 3 holes before they start to like realize, oh, we're in a game. Like the crowd, especially in Regina, they're going to be rocking. It's the home opener. It's the first real CFL season we've had in three years. And the easiest way to quiet them down is scoring early. So if the Ticats can build a lead, if it's say like 13 to 3 in the first quarter, I think that takes out the 13th man. And I think this is something, like I said, I'm going to be focusing on the entire year because we've seen the Ticats. Whether it's the first quarter or the th- like there's always seems to be this lull in the game. And I'm pretty sure every team has it. But obviously we, we spend so much time watching cats football that if we focus more on this. But there's always that there's a part of the game whether and it's usually either the first or the third quarter where the team just kind of goes into hibernation mode. And it's like they start the game really slow and then they're forced to make a comeback in the second half or they start the game really well. And then they come back at a halftime and they spend the third quarter doing jack all. I mean, we saw it in the Grey Cup. the The first half, neither team played played really well. The Ticats played really well in the third quarter, and then gave everything up in the fourth. So, to me, if they can if they can get this game off to a good start, like in the, within the first two or three drives, they score a touchdown, maybe kick a couple of field goals. I think that that will sort of bring that momentum that's so fickle in football that they could use. Because winning on the road, and as a, like as I laid out, like winning in Regina, is not easy. So. I think I, I agree with you. I think the offensive line is something, especially against what I think is a pretty good Saskatchewan front four, needs to protect Dane. But I think in in conjunction with that, they need to score fast. They need to score not necessarily first, but they have to they have to find a way to take that crowd out of it because I mean, look at the 2013 Grey Cup. That the crowd atmosphere in there is basically what you know buoyed the Riders into winning that game. Uh, that and the Ticats' terrible play, but you you shut the crowd up. I think that's your best chance of actually escaping with a win. Because I think this is one of those games, like, I told you the Ticats at 12 and 6. This was one of those six losses. I think It's really tough oh. for them to win in Regina. So I don't think they're going to win, but if they are, this is what they have to do. They have to start hot.
0: Yeah, and that was a, that was a problem for the Ticats last year. The offense struggled out of the gates, and it just, yeah, I'm hoping that was, a, you know, more of a Jeremiah Mazzoli thing and Dane Evans is... Uh, more of a hot starter, but I didn't. I didn't mention this. Uh, Ticats cats go nine and nine. I forgot to throw that. Of course throw, you throw have that. Of
1: course, of course, you have the Ticats cats going
0: 9 like. I, I I I went away from it last year. Obviously, I couldn't pick them to go nine and nine because no. they only played fourteen games. But, but did I did you pick not seven pick them and seven. No, I I had them eleven wins last year. Oh, that's
1: right. You did. You were super high so, on them. Yes. And it, and so, them. Go- so okay, back yes. to nine to nine. I'm cool with that. I told you, right. you twelve and six. So. I'm okay with that. So you go nine and nine. That's, that's the way it should be. So that's okay. We'll keep it at that. Um, anything else that you're looking for in this game, anything, or is it just really kind of focusing on what the offensive line? needs yeah, to I'm just,
0: to The game? offense as a whole, I just think has to be better than they were last year. Um, they had their moments where they were good, but mostly it was not, it was not good at all. So once again, I'm not worried about the defense. It's all about the offense. And, uh, See what they can create. See what they can do early on because, uh, you know, that's the big question mark, right?
1: It is indeed. Man, I don't know if we're just getting better at this or if we just are lazier, but I think this might have been our shortest season preview episode ever. Usually we hit close to, like, 75 minutes, and we're barely over an hour. Like, what What are we going to do with all this extra time?
0: I don't know, man. Like, what's what's wrong with us? We're not as chatty-pathies chatty, <laughs> no, chatty Cathy's today.
1: I mean, I, the season's here, man. Are, how excited are you?
0: I'm very excited. Very excited. I'm pumped to watch that first game on Thursday. I think it's Calgary and Montreal. You know, just getting football back on the TV screen is a a great thing. And, you know, the CFL starts. And then after that, all the other football leagues start. And uh, we can get into watching, you know, copious amounts of professional and college football.
1: Yeah, it really just means, like, as excited as I am for the start of the CFL season, it really just means that I have football to watch every week from now until February. So, if you want to murder me, I'll be in my apartment. Hey,
0: and, hey, and then and then the XFL starts too <laughs> Oh, to Yeah,
1: I forgot about the XFL. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of people have. I don't care yeah. what what you know certain media members in Canada keep promoting, but I I don't think I'll watch. it. Will you watch the XFL? I mean, I might give it a shot. I, I think yeah, my, uh,
0: I'll, I'll probably give it. A, you know, I've been watching a little bit of the USFL, so is it um, as bad as it looks? It's not that great. It yeah. really isn't. Yeah, the quality of football is, is not that great. But, uh, you know, I still respect the players, obviously. But, yeah, it's not up to snuff for, like, you know, CFL or NFL, obviously. So it, it's been okay.
1: All right. Well, let's put a pin in this one, Mike. That was Podski Weeby for this week. I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat
1: them raw.